The global COVID-19 vaccine rollout throughout much of the industrialized world has re-energized society, sparking the prospect of renewed economic growth. The pandemic has also taught us of the need to pay even more attention to the health and well-being of workers. In this podcast, we'll identify the opportunities that lie ahead in shaping a brighter future of work. I'm Satwant Panda, and joining me today are Helen Westerlind, CEO of LiveWell, and David Henderson, Chief Human Resources Officer at Zurich Insurance Group. Now, a lot has happened since Zurich's Shaping a Brighter World of Work report was released in October last year. Helen, I'm going to start with you. From a LiveWell perspective, what's happened for you since October in terms of employee well-being? So LiveWell is a a Zurich-owned company and we provide the digital and health and well-being services to, to corporate employers and Zurich Insurance being one of those. We look at health from a holistic perspective at both physical, mental, social and financial health aspects. And we look at what has happened over the last couple of months. I think from an employee perspective, it's clearly created a much stronger awareness around the importance of health and your health and well-being and the underlying conditions and the impact that the health has on potential underlying conditions in in a situation that we're in today. I think from a corporate perspective, the employee well-being has really raised to the top of the charts of, of importance and employers are recognizing this and understanding that they need to take a stronger accountability and responsibility for that situation of, of their employees. And David, what do you think is the responsibility of the employer when it comes to providing employee health and well-being? Well, I, th- I think first and foremost, um, we, we have to have a, a great set of employee benefits that are really focused on well-being. We've been moving much more in the direction of flexible benefits, benefits that reflect the personal circumstances of all our employees, recognising that those are very different. But I think it goes much further than that. We've been in heavily invested in, for example, a lot of training and education for employees and for managers and leaders in the organization in terms of how can we promote the uh, the four well-being platforms that uh, that Helena alluded to earlier. And I, I really think, um, Satwan, it's the employer's role to delve much deeper into the measures for employee well-being. In Zurich, you know, we are going to have to think about the workplace in a rather different way from the way we've thought about it in the past. It is clear that work and life are becoming more challenging to separate. And I think the physical health of employees, the mental health has become an increasing concern. And clearly the data shows that happier and healthier employees regularly outperform employees in organizations which do not promote health and well-being. It's, it's the right thing to do, but it's also very good for business. And Helen, on the flip side, what are the expectations from employees now? The expectations from the employees' current situation is to be given this flexibility, they will also expect very much that employers put their health and safety first and taking the necessary actions to to continue to keep them them safe. There is one uh, survey from Gartner that really shows that more or less 50% of, of employees will continue to have remote working setups. Again, as an employer, we will need to be able to support that and cater that. And and as a consequence, 
cater for two locations is going to be based on digital means. And they will continue to expect this work-life balance as we go into to the next phase. David, in this new phase, what type of new skills are going to be in the greatest demand? And how are companies going to ensure that they can actually have those skills in-house? I think so much of this is about uh, reskilling and, and digital adoption. Most companies, and Zurich's no exception, you know, they're, they're becoming technology companies that are specialised in their particular industry sector. So we are effectively becoming a technology company that, that is focused on insurance needs. COVID, obviously, what we've seen is an accelerated introduction of new technical tools and a more digitalised operating model. And this has made reskilling even more important than it than it already was. We've kicked off a number of global initiatives. So we had a program called Leading in the Digital Age, which is really sort of bringing all our leadership and manage, management on board with how you need to manage differently in a digital environment. I think this whole ecosystem starts to really be, be very important. And I think fundamentally, the employee has to be really at the driving seat of that. Helen, one of the biggest teachings from the COVID-19 pandemic was the need to look more closely at the duty of care of workers. How have those needs changed since the pandemic and how are companies responding to this? Firstly, it's about how we humanise the employees and, and go away from wordings like workers and, and start more recognising them as, as people. Then also have a a serious uh, commitment to our employees' health and well-being. It's, it's, not, it's not negotiable uh, any longer. It's not a question mark. It is, it's a fact. I think that it's going to be very important that we look at our people and at our individuals from this holistic perspective and that we look at not only their physical health, but also their mental health, their social health and their financial health. This is our workforce, this is our asset. So it is in employers' interest to make sure that we support them and give them the services that, that they need, but it needs to be personalized and needs to be catered for that individual, which puts a, an additional level of, of responsibility and accountability of an employer, but that is also what is going to separate the employers that can retain and attract talent and great people versus the ones that will not be able to do that. You mentioned retaining talent there. David, what should companies be doing to support workers in their careers and allow them to look to the future with confidence? I think we have to provide the platform for employees to build skills and to also be sure that we are correctly anticipating the skills we need in the future and being transparent about that with our people. I think a big part of this also comes to creating a, a culture of continuous learning in organisations. And I, I think that that's something that we still have some work to do. The other overlay to all of this, apart from the, the changing skills balance in organizations, is, is the new way of working. And more and more organizations are going to be moving to hybrid work models. We're going to be spending more time learning the skills that need to complement that model of working versus being physically located all of the time during every, uh, every working week. I think this brings a different model of management and leadership. Managers and leaders need to show more compassion, more empathy. We also need to kind of em embrace more 
cognitive capabilities that uh, will augment technology. Maybe I could just add to that, David. I, I think it's an interesting point on critical roles versus critical skills. And I think historically, we have looked at our organizations for the critical roles that we need. And we see now that it's more around those critical skills that you're mentioning to create a resilient workforce to the outside impacts and influences that are happening. And that we have a workforce that, that can be flexible, that can be agile, that can do cross-functional activities rather than looking at critical roles in their silos. We need to create that resilient workforce that can handle change in situations and change in needs. And I think it's uh, for many been put to the test in this environment that we're in now. I think to attract and retain the best talent, people want to grow and develop in organizations. And I think as we look to the future, we also have to think about the generations which will have an increasing presence in the workforce going forward. We're very concerned with the disproportionate rise in youth unemployment that we've seen during the pandemic and may continue to see post-pandemic. So we're taking a much closer look at how we can provide more opportunities for young people to build the skills, the experience and the resilience they need to enter the working world with confidence and continuing to provide those opportunities. And we're also starting to think about how we can get the long-term unemployed back into the workforce. And this is a real issue in many of our geographies. As with young people, it's about providing foundational skills and experiences to set that particular cohort up for, for future success. I think our purpose really is to create a brighter future together. That's for all our people. And really to sum it up, we're empowering our people um, to define their own future and making sure that we provide the support to help get them there. Helen, David, thank you so much for sharing your insights on the future of work today. And to our listeners, to learn more, go to Zurich.com.